Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. All right, we are just about 25 hours away from the tip-off Warriors and Mavs Western Conference Finals. When we last recorded after the Warriors eliminated the Grizzlies, we were we were kind of arguing, not arguing, but debating about who the Warrior who would be the better team for the Warriors to face. I think you thought Phoenix is an easier out. And I was on the I'm going to need my flowers at some point because I called the Mavericks winning. I think I said some different things on a couple of pods. I kind of forget what I say. Maybe this one I took the Suns, the other one I took the Mavericks. But I, I just didn't want to go against the popular opinion. Like I was floating like the Mavericks could really win this. But it was just so like unpopular to say that at game one and especially by game three when they were down 0-2. But I was like, I still think that, you know, Luca's different. And and then I did say, yeah, I said I said the Suns would be the easier yeah. opponent. And maybe we'll get into that. But and I, I thought if I thought they were close, there's pros and cons for both teams. But I think the main thing I thought was that the Warriors would be able to find opportunities to attack Dallas in easier ways than Phoenix. And then you watch game seven and like there was no energy with that team. It was almost like they could tell that Chris Paul was not feeling great and thus because he's technically i guess kind of their leader uh they they just didn't have that energy it was like oh if he's not feeling good you know i'm i'm so if you i don't know if you went back and watched any uh, or how much of the series you watched but i went back i looked at highlights of of game 6 and then i went back to game 5 cuz i wanted to see what the suns looked like when they were actually winning and what the difference was uh and you know it was really they were just running they had energy defensively they were getting out like they were being physical with Luca like you know Luca's great but you touch this guy and he does the Jordan Poole stuff right where he makes the face and he's like flails out like oh you know this is see he's trying to get calls what he's trying to do but what happens is is when he does that it's fast break on the other side because he's not getting back on defense he's trying to sell this call and so you know, it really was was about energy. It was about uh, them, you know, how, how they were able to uh, just get out, get rebounds and such. Uh, but yeah, in six and seven, Dallas slowed that game down to their style. And it was like, you know, Lu- Luca's, uh, 
his butt is is kind of a pivot foot. It's like he doesn't have a pivot foot. He has a pivot butt. Like if he gets his butt on you, either side, either way, he's either going to turn and go to the hoop or he's going to turn the other way and shoot a mid-range fadeaway. Like he is so comfortable with that shot. Maybe more so than anybody I think I've seen since Larry Bird, who you didn't get to see play, but just so comfortable with that fadeaway. So, you know, Great job by them in winning that series because they actually had to win that series. They had to go into Phoenix and win, and that was very impressive. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie had a really good game in Game Seven to help them, but it was it was a it was a crazy blowout. Like I don't know if I've ever seen a blowout like that in a in a final game of of a series. I'm sure maybe on paper there is we could find one, but yeah, that was that was impressive. So if they play like that, then you're right; they would be the harder out than Phoenix, but I don't know, just matchup wise, after doing a little bit of research, listening to all the stuff, reading all the stuff, I still think there are opportunities for the Warriors to uh, find some life, find some, some, you know, Memphis was so good at closing down opportunities. And I think the Warriors will be able to get some of these opportunities against Dallas. Yeah. um, I think that there are definitely some, some holes in Dallas's game where, you know, they just went up against Dylan Brooks and Dylan Brooks. Uh, I think he's closer to Mikel Bridges than he is to Dorian Finney-Smith or Reggie Bullock in terms of perimeter defense. So I, I think that, you know, the Dallas might have a, I mean, if you look at previous footage, Jason Kidd sends two at Steph a lot, yes. but the thing we'll is, is that, that, yeah. And, and you know what? I feel like a lot of the points I'm, I have is like, you know, these teams haven't really seen each other up, up, mm-hmm. up to full strength. I feel like these might be later topics. Um, but yeah, no, I, I could save some of that. Okay, no, we'll, we'll get into it. But if you were to say, like if a casual fan came up to you and was like, hey, what's going on with this Warriors and Dallas thing? Like, why would I be interested? What, what, would, the, what would your headline be? Like, why is this? Uh, why, why should people be interested in this series? If I wanted to like super juice it up into something maybe I don't even believe just to get people into basketball, I would say there is this player named Luka Doncic who is just like emerging into a superstar right before our eyes, potentially could be in the top five conversation and he's looking to dethrone the best team in the past 10 years. I I think that would be like like a juicy headline I'd go with making Luka like David and the Warriors Goliath. You know what? You know what's so interesting is I was looking at how the NBA was promoting it. And it's sort of like that. It's like Luca against the Warriors. And if you go, if you want to go back to like 2015, 2016, that it was the other way around. It was like Steph Curry against, you know, this team. And it's so crazy how only six, seven years later that you can flip that because the NBA just funnels in so many really good young players. And Luca is that is one of those guys right now. He is somebody who I think, you know, if if you're talking about who maximizes their value based off of getting to the finals or winning a finals, it's him. Every mm-hmm. every piece of uh, sponsorship that that's around him, Jordan Brand, all these different things, anything related to Luca, Luca. There's so much to to earn here, and I think the NBA. If you think about where the NBA is, it's been a LeBron and Steph and then a little bit further down the line, KD league since uh, probably since about 2015 when Steph and the Warriors became the team uh, to beat. 
and now those guys are in their mid thirties. And so it's like, what's the new blood? Who's in that new blood? We mm-hmm. saw it in series in the second series with uh, Morant. He's definitely one of those next guys, but Luca is probably the, the best young player in the game, right? Like it's him uh, or Tatum. And and he's he's like two years younger than Tatum, I think, too. I think a year or two, yeah. So yeah, t- and Tatum on the other side, fantastic as well. So I I I think you know sort of what your headline was. I, I think it's very similar to what mine is, but I I just find it so ironic that six years later or six years earlier it was flipped for the Warriors where they were Steph and team, and now it's the championship gold-blooded team warriors versus Luca and the upstart <laughs> Mavs. It's just fascinating theater, and, and I'm really digging it. Okay, yeah. it, and I think, wait, really quick, because I don't know if we're, ever get, we're gonna get to this, but I would like to say that even though Dallas came up on top on that Phoenix series, it was it wasn't entertaining, you know? There, was, there wasn't really a close game blowouts. in that series. It was <laughs> yeah. all blowouts. So, you know, Draymond said that he kind of called it with Memphis and the Timberwolves where I think he said in a press conference maybe a month before the season ended. I forget when exactly it was, but he was saying how you can never really count the Grizzlies out there. Like, they come back in the second half if you think you have them. That's what they did a lot to the Timberwolves. They didn't really do that to the Warriors, but I think Dallas is more now a team where you can, like, you can't really count Dallas out. They yeah. were down oh zero to two against what I thought was the best team in the NBA, and they ended up winning the thing in Phoenix. So, I mean, if I'm not, I don't know if you could tell the Mavericks that you know they can't touch the sky or they can't touch the moon if they were just beat Phoenix, the Phoenix Suns, the best team in basketball, uh, in Phoenix. So I feel like they're coming in with loads of confidence. All right. If if folks are watching us live and you want to add your color commentary to what we're talking about, uh, uh, throw a comment in. We'll we'll put it on screen and, and we'll discuss it. But we're going to go, you know, after every game, we do the three points thing. I'll go to the three main points. I did the same thing with this preview. And I think point number one is uh, Luke is going to get his. I predict he's scoring 35 points a game. I think he was at 31 against Phoenix. Mm -hmm. But how is the question? If we're looking at this from the Warriors perspective, he puts his body into everything that he does. He does not get to that fadeaway without putting his body uh, using his body as a pivot, like I said. And so... If this game for the Warriors, and, and I think game one will be interesting because I I think game one is going to be such an interesting experiment because they're going to try a bunch of things, but I imagine as we get further into the series, they're going to just adjust and adjust and adjust, and that's kind of what Jason Kidd does. But how do the are the Warriors going to make this dude work for his points? Uh, you had differing, I, you, I know you heard the plus minus, but you had differing opinions about, what they should do. Tim Kalkami said that he thinks the Warriors would be okay with Luka shooting heavy volume of threes. And Marcus Thompson said he actually thinks the opposite because catching fire from three is a way to get Luka started. And he would force Luka to the basket. And I I sort of lean a little bit more towards Marcus in one sense, which is if he's got to get tough twos, and he's got a bang into Draymond. He's got a bang into Otto Porter. He's got a bang into Looney at least early in the game. 
that could be a little bit of a, of a wear and tear for him. We know conditioning is, is always a question with him. Maybe the only question with him, uh, you know, maybe uh, on an island defense as well. But if he's just able to kind of get his points without having to really, really get to spots and work, 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 I think that's a negative for the Warriors. What do you think? Yeah, probably. I'm kind of leaning towards like, I hope that they've learned from previous series where you had the Nugget series, you had Jokic, and they figured out that like tiring him out was pretty effective. In Memphis, it took them a while, but it looked like they finally got to Jaw, and Jaw started tiring out by game two or three. And I just hope that, you know, like like Marcus said, they make it tough for him on, on the offensive end, and they also make it really tough for him on the defensive end. So you could tire him out because I think the most important minutes are probably going to be the non-Luka minutes. I wonder what, how it was what, the Jokic ones. What was uh, his? I wonder what their plus minus was with him on the bench because it, he and the whole offense just revolves around him in a way that I don't think it does in in uh, any other team. Maybe we can go back a few years with James Harden and he was very similar like that. But I I told uh, I don't remember who I texted, but to me the difference between Luca and James Harden is like James Harden thinks about the game in a, in a way of like analytically he's like okay i'm going to do all of these things because the value of these things is high and if i don't do these things like so so what i'm i'm going to leave you know low risk money on the table and like that's a you know, an interesting way to think of it it's you know it's very similar to um you know, Daryl Morey style basketball, right? Like, like how the evolution of the game. I think Luca thinks a little bit differently, which is every time I touch the basketball, I'm going to get a good shot. And the way that I'm going to get a good shot just differs on the situation because he's so skilled with, with, with his footwork. But the main difference between the two guys is. I think Luca's just got a giant killer instinct that maybe was missing from Harden. And this is not to say that Harden didn't want, you know, didn't want it hard. Whatever, you know, he's he's excelled in every level of basketball in his entire life. And the only thing missing is a championship. And guys like Patrick Ewing and Charles Barkley also don't have championships. And I don't think people would say, oh, you know, Charles Barkley had no killer instinct. It's just that Luca Luca looks like he just wants it so badly. I mean, you see him talking trash. I, that's going to be interesting because I, I wonder if the Warriors get offended with his kind of uh, weird trash talking. <laughs> he, uh, you know, they're, they're such a veteran team, but I could see Poole kind of, you know, getting involved a little bit there. But uh, but yeah, like I, I just see him as, you know, he the, the high usage rate guy, but he's a high usage rate guy in a way where he's just like not going to be denied rather than, oh, I'm going to take this shot because this shot has a, a better points per attempt than if I throw it around and find this guy. Like Luke is just like, no, I am the best points per chance attempt on my team every time I shoot. And I think that's how he looks at it. So um, how do you, if you're the Warriors, how do you think they should, or how would you guard Luca? Would you throw a lot of zones at him? Would you give him a, di- a few different looks? Would you give him a little bit of Draymond there? <laughs> I said initially that I think Wiggins is on him to start and then maybe they put Draymond on whoever they think might do the pick and roll with him, whether it's Kleba or Powell or and then you could have your two best defenders on the court making the decision whether they want to blitz him, whether they want to double him, whether they want to 
switch or you know stuff i that's how I, what i was thinking initially but i i mean zone was floated on plus minus so that when you have pool in there it's not a complete attack box and one i don't even know if i ever played a box and one in in uh, high school yeah no i don't think i did either <laughs> but thanks for thanks to nick nurse for making that like a used thing again and I, I mean in a bad way in my opinion i don't like it at all um but yeah, I I, th- I saw that Sam from the Light Years pod today. He tweeted uh-huh. out something that Obi sent to me. It was something like, you know, comparing this team to the Houston Rockets from, you know, the the 2018 or 2019 is uh is lazy and inaccurate. I think it is kind of lazy, but I don't yeah. think it's inaccurate. I, I I do think that like Luca reminds me so much of of that James Harden where he was just a high volume score 35 points per game at one point like where I and when I when when the Warriors played him and I was watching it and James Harden had the ball in his hand like I just you were scared I personally didn't know yeah how to stop him it's because you bring <laughs> Clint Capella for the pick and roll yeah and and then James Harden's just going like between his legs between his legs either gonna be a step back like you knew it was coming too yeah. it was either gonna be a step back three it was either going to drive and draw a foul going to the rim or he was going to kick it. Like you knew what was coming every time. And yeah, three things to like look out for, I guess it's kind of like a lot, but he was just so elite at it that it really didn't matter. And I feel that same thing with Luca. Yeah. Like every time he takes a shot, regardless of how dumb it looks is like this little, like slow one foot in the air, one like <laughs> almost like runner, but like fade away. Like it's just like, unless I see, I haven't seen his shot get like altered. Where a player like throws up some weird shot because it is, the defense has been playing so well. Like I've never seen that with Luca. I just always think that that shot has a chance of going in. So, you know what is also impressive is it didn't matter if it was CP3 or Booker or even Aiton. Like he sort of attacked them all the same way, and that's actually very impressive because you're not giving away, you know, how you would attack a big versus how you would attack a small. You're sort of analyzing at the same time and using similar moves uh, so that you know the defense can't go, oh, if, if he gets a big, then he's going to do this, and then defensively we can bring this guy. It's like, no, you don't know because he does the same thing every time, so you just have to defend him how you defend him. I think that was that's very impressive about him. Okay, now from the perspective of when you have a guy with high usage, he can wear down during the series. And so this is part of what I was saying in how in how he's going to get his points because by game seven, is he going to be fresh? Against Phoenix, he was very fresh. <laughs> he got hot in the first half, and they just ran away with that game. I, I imagine the Warriors game yeah, series is going to be a little bit more of a grinded-out kind of game. Uh, there's good, Their games are going to be a lot closer, like you said. Those Phoenix games were boat races either way. And so I think his... Uh, his level of endurance and uh, being in shape. And look, the guy's going to also get dinged up because everything is physical with him. He's a big body and he, 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 he could get dinged up. He may also ding up somebody on the Warriors side. You know, he's so big. He's so, I, I don't even know if he's necessarily strong. Like, I don't know if he's going to win any weightlifting contests. He's burly. But he uses his size in a way that, you know, you almost never see players use. So, I just try. I'm just racking my brain thinking, you know, if you're Steph, like even off ball, how do you get him on Steph so he's chasing 
Because what he what he did in uh, in Game Seven that that was great because Phoenix was missing a lot of shots. Is he mostly stayed near the rim so he could mm-hmm. get rebounds and start fast breaks, which was perfect for what they were trying to do. How do you get him away from just being able to stick around the paint? And how do you get him chasing guys? Is is will be an interesting strategy, I think, for the Warriors. Otto Porter Jr. and Kaminga come set come set Steph a pick because that's what I feel like might be on Luca might go on them so he could sink into the paint a little. But you also you can also make sure that you you have shooting because let's say you do run a little bit of a a pick and roll and Luca is cheating a little bit towards the middle then there could be shooters open so that that's that that whole chess match with what they're going to do with both teams and Jay Kidd. You know, if, if if the Warriors were not in this round of the playoffs, Dallas is my team. And the only reason, well, two reasons. Dallas is my team because of Jason Kidd. Like, Jason Kidd was my favorite ever college basketball player. He's at Cal when I am a junior and senior, I think. And so I'm watching every game and just love this guy. And he gets drafted to Dallas. But the other reason is because my favorite player of all time, his son is on the Mavericks. Unfortunately, he got hurt. But Tim Hardaway Jr., my Tim Hardaway is my favorite player of all mm-hmm. time. So I would have totally rooted, been rooting for the Mavericks. And he got hurt against the Warriors in the regular season. I know. That was that was a bummer. I think it was the first game, right? No, I think second it was game? like second or third. Okay. Because, uh, yeah, so the, I, 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 I don't dislike the Mavericks and you know, I didn't dislike the Grizzlies, but basketball dislike not not really dislike, right? You just yeah, there's yeah. a rivalry there. But I I don't even really dislike the Mavericks. I'm gonna have to find some ways. Maybe Luca Luca's complaining to the referees will will get me fired up. <laughs> uh, we'll see after our, our post game shows. Okay, so next point here. This is on the Warriors side. Dallas is more than likely blitz, blitzing Steph Curry almost at every possible opportunity, pick and roll. Maybe not even in the pick and roll, and the you know the 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 one comment that Curry made about you know he remembers not even shooting in the fourth quarter in that one game because they just take the ball out of his hands. Do do you think this means that they're going to rely on Jordan Poole maybe than they could afford to in the Memphis game? Memphis I'm just series. wondering that. I mean, this is going to go into my full point of like this team. These teams haven't seen each other at full strength. Um, and, you know, when they first played each other, you know, no clay. I think that's where Draymond initially hurt his back. That was like a game right before clay came back. I don't know if we ever found the play that did it, but. And Dray uh, missed the last three games of the series. So, yeah. And then on the Dallas Mavericks side, they they got Dinwiddie and they got uh, and then Brunson's taking a step. Um, yeah. So I don't think either of these teams have seen each other at full strength. I just think the Dallas Mavericks have are at their ceiling right now. I don't think the Warriors are at their ceiling, and I'm one. I'm hoping they can get to it. So I just um for for what was the question again? Blitzing Steph. <laughs> <laughs> what I meant, yeah, okay. So what I was saying about that, yeah, you is had that, you had your takes ready, and you were yeah, yeah. Were so would you? Deliver. What I was going to say about that is that they haven't seen him in full strength. So that means that you know Clay was a shell of himself the second time they played Jordan Poole. I didn't remember this, but in the plus minus pod, they said that that's kind of where Jordan Poole started that 20 game, 20 point game streak. Yeah. I didn't remember that. That, that They lost that game though. Mm-hmm. They did lose. Uh, but, but so, you know, they haven't totally seen 
what the Warriors have looked like at full strength. And to be fair, not many teams have. It's because the Warriors themselves weren't really at full strength. And full strength, I mean, you know, healthy yeah. individuals on the team. Uh, and so not many teams have seen it. So I'm hoping that, you know, with the, with the healthy Igadala, do we have any update on him? Just that he's going to be out another week. So probably... Also, he misses games one and two. I think, yeah, missing games one and two. Jeez. Uh, so, okay, so uh, Mark, Mark Nobita... He he made a point, which is what I was going to get to, which Steph gets blitzed. Poole becomes a very dominant ball handler for the Warriors, but he also cannot go too fast because I think there's going to be opportunity for him to look at the court and, and how the court is balanced. He's say, oh, two guys with Steph, one guy in the corner, we got a three on two on the right side and he's going to want to go. I think that's natural, natural basketball instinct. The problem with that though, is Steph is going to run his route, right? Steph is like a wide mm-hmm. receiver out there. He runs his route until he gets open, you know, he gets through a screen. And so unless pool 100% has an open lane to the bucket and can get to the bucket because Dallas doesn't really have any shot blockers, then I think he's going to attack. But he, if it's not there, He's got to be patient enough to let Steph do his thing, to let Clay do his thing, to let the play develop. And that's going to be interesting. Pool cannot get tight is 100% the thing because basically what you're doing, and this is very smart for Dallas, is you're making the least experienced guy in this moment on the Warriors be the decision maker. Now, what they could do, what the Warriors could do is somehow have Draymond not be a screener and Steph's first outlet be to Draymond. Then Draymond becomes the decision maker. But the problem with that is the court can kind of get unbalanced if uh, if you're if you're playing small and Draymond is up top. So that this this whole thing, again, the the chess match of this, how Jay Kidd figures out what he wants to do. And man, can can my guy like there are a lot of people who don't like Jason Kidd. He's had some bad press in his career as a younger person. There was some, you know, abusive things that 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 had had. You know, his, his uh, I think his ex wife had had said some things about that. So there's a lot of guys that don't like Jason Kidd. There was a couple of different runs for him uh, as a coach. You remember the thing where he spilled the cup of water? Uh, did you mm-hmm. ever? Do you remember that? I do remember that. And like, there was also a thing on Christmas, right, where he made all the guys come in. Didn't Didn't you tell me about that on the honest so. book? Uh huh. Yeah, but I was actually saying it on on my podcast that, you know, yeah, like you said, there's a lot of that stuff, but he was assistant coach for the Lakers. Yep. Um, so I, I hope he got some of his act in that sense, figured out a little bit, kind of a similar player structure and that you have LeBron James who you're catering to. And now you're catering to Luca. Do you so. know, do you know the history of Jason Kidd and LeBron James? I don't. Okay. So uh, Adrian Woj, uh, uh, so Woj, when he was reporting for Yahoo, this would have been a 2012 Olympics. So we're talking a redeem team. Yeah. So Jason Kidd's on that team. And one of Jason Kidd's jobs was to basically mentor LeBron because they didn't want LeBron on that team because of what happened in 2008. And LeBron's a child, you know, in 2008, right? He's uh, He would have been like 23. And so it was like all about, you know, they didn't want, all of LeBron's people with him and they were like asking for certain things. Uh, you know, I, I want this to happen in order for me to play X, Y, and Z. And so 
I think it was Coach K who was like, I don't want this guy. Now, I, I may have that wrong. I should have read this story before knowing that I was going to talk about this. But somebody said, I don't want this guy. And Jason Kidd was like, I got him. I, I, I'm going to I'm gonna mentor him and make sure that he's not, that there's no problems here. So when Jay Kidd went to L.A., I was like, oh, Vogel's done. Jay Kidd's the coach. And you kind of th- that probably should have been what happened, right? Based on what happened to the Lakers. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you, you know, J- Jason Kidd comes uh you know, comes into this Mavs team and just made these guys play basketball, and that's what the Lakers needed. So that that's the that's the story of uh Jay Kidd and LeBron. Yeah, I think the Lakers needed more than that. It's not a Lakers, <laughs> it's not a Lakers podcast. I think I think Kidd would have still failed. <laughs> uh all right. So um is there anything you think the Warriors will attempt to do to unleash Curry a little bit more? Like maybe Jordan Poole is the ball handler early on, Mm -hmm. or maybe Draymond brings up the ball more, and Steph plays a little bit more like a two, and thus they can't really trap him in that way because the reason why they were able to trap Steph a lot in, in, in the games against Dallas is, like you said, uh, the, the Warriors didn't have all their guys. Clay missed the first game. Draymond missed the last three games, and Clay missed one out of the last three games. So Steph, it was like Steph and you know the 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 rest of the team who weren't the superstars. <laughs> so I, I kind of wonder if if we're going to get a lot of Steph off ball initiating stuff. Yeah, and I feel like it's not even fair to say that like Clay played X amount of games against the Mavericks because it was just not Clay. But, um, you know, it, I, I think that 2020 Steph season is is one of my favorites because it was like people sending two and three at him and he was still just like averaging. He had this, he got the scoring title. And I just remember every game being like, just wait until next year when we get Clay back. Just wait until we get in a couple shooters in the offseason. Then teams won't be able to do this again. And, you know, it, it hasn't totally translated to that, but I hope that they blitz him right away and maybe ideally clay or pool can get can get easier looks and it starts that and in the mavericks you either live or die by just continuing to blitz steph and then the other guys can go off that would be like perfect situation scenario for me but i know that pool hasn't been as consistent you saw in the memphis series clay hasn't really been consistent you've seen it throughout the whole season so um so when i say like the warriors haven't hit their full ceiling i do think it is for those guys to like be consistent and then obviously steph would in my head, if Steph's not getting blitzed and Steph's getting one-on-one, ideally he could return to an MVP form. It's all ifs and it's all, you know, that. But um, I just think that if if that, I think that's what they should do with the blitz. I think you're right, though, that the, uh, that Poole and Draymond could also bring the ball up. Steph can be doing a lot of that off-ball stuff. People could be setting screens for him to get open. But, I mean, it just seems like when Steph is on the ball, better things happen. I would just, I'd rather, I'm a fan of Steph on the ball. By the way, we have some breaking news here. The the lotto? The, the, the lottery. What happened here with the lottery? I cannot believe it. When I just saw who got it, the Sacramento Kings are probably jumping up and down, crying, hugging everyone in their family, and then who someone else got two. OKC got two is so huge. That is crazy. They got two, right? So, the uh, Pistons lost the lottery. Yeah, the Pistons are number 5. That sucks. Uh, the Pistons, the Pistons, the Rockets, and the Magic all had the 
best odds to land the number the one number pick one at pick. 14%. Oklahoma City, 12.5. Indiana, 10.5. Portland, 9. And Sacramento, 7.5. So I'm still trying to figure out what, what is the order that this all happened. Okay, so yeah, it, went, it went... It uh, went... Top pick went to Orlando. Number two went to OKC. Houston got the third pick. Sacramento Kings got the fourth pick. So... That's uh yeah that's that's pretty crazy. Uh, Dang, Oklahoma. Pacers fell too. That's that I'm sure those guys are sad. Pistons and Pacers fans. And then the Lakers get the eighth pick, which goes to the Pelicans immediately. Very interesting. <laughs> Orlando Magic. What do you do if you're the Magic? Well, the thing is, is that Chet Holmgren and Jalen Suggs played high school ball together. So I was uh, thinking yep, that maybe there's like a connection there that I. I when they drafted Jalen Suggs, obviously a disappointing rookie season, but I thought that that was kind of be like to give him the keys. He's going to be like, he's going to kind of run the offense. He's not really a scorer, but I think he's, um, I compared him to like less defensive, more offensive Drew Holiday. And I do think that's a really good player. Maybe not someone he'd give the keys to, but I was thinking that maybe he'd get some early decisions of like, I played with Chet. Chet's obviously like uh, arguably the top, not arguably, he is the top two pick in this draft. It's either him or Jabari going one or two. Like, you know, I played with him in high school. Let's get him on the team. You know, I I watched, obviously I watched a lot of Jaron Jackson in this playoffs. I think if you're getting a big, if you're getting a center, he has to play like Jaron Jackson. I don't know how. Chet won't. Yeah, that's the problem, right? Because when you play, like it's the same thing that happened to Aiton. Aiton is... Aiton is actually a pretty athletic five. But even at that point, when the game changes and when they try and figure a way to get you out of the the game, like Aiton couldn't play in that end of that last Mm -hmm. game. So I I really wonder if you're going to waste, not waste, but if you're going to use your number one pick on a guy who the teams are going to go like, okay, how do we get this guy out of the game? And that's what we're going to do. And then you got to, and then you got to take him out. I feel like Chet's going to be a four in the NBA. He's a seven footer, but he's not like, I don't think he's as physically he's a really good rim protector, but like, I think obviously no one can guard the Embiid's and the Jokic's, but I think Chet would have a really tough time because if you look at him, he's tiny. So, I mean, I, ideally he's more of like a Mobley than anyone. I think Mobley's awesome, but I think he, I could see a lot of four from him, a lot of behind the arc stuff, maybe. Uh, okay. So let's talk about one last thing and then we'll get, well, we'll talk a little bit about the, the other series too. But uh, one last thing here, which is sort of the wild card. Jordan Poole, Spencer Dinwiddie seem to be the wild cards for the the teams. If you're just going to look at it on paper, obviously, as we know, because of all the adjustments and such that both coaches are going to make, it's going to give opportunities for other players to have bigger games. Uh, and and you know we've seen uh, just Jalen Brunson have you know, a a big, big impact this season and in the playoffs. And like, I watch him and he reminds me of an old point guard lefty, his whole, like he, he's not like he's jittery and he's like trying to jump off of the wrong foot so that you can't time him and he uses his body, but I wouldn't consider him like unguardable or super athletic or anything. Like he just Mm -hmm. gets the job done. Sort of like an old school, like mid nineties point guard. Um, 
you know, the, their wings, Brunson and, and Smith, are all they're about the same size. They're they're in that six five, six seven. Not Brunson. Who was it? You said Bullock. I'm sorry. You I'm sorry. Bullock. Uh, Bullock. Bullock and yeah. and 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 Smith. Finney Smith. Six 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 seven. You know, they, they they're going to defend the perimeter. They do their jobs by just you know shooting open jumpers, open threes. But I'm just trying trying to think of who else do you think could possibly swing the swing a game or two in a way that I think most people think Poole and, and Dinwiddie might be able to. I think it's how quickly uh, they how how quickly they bring in Kleba and how he um, he because they were really good with Kleba against the Suns. So I'm I'm wondering if he uh, if if that's going to work the same against the Warriors. They did some Dorian Finney-Smith center, I believe, in that series as well. Um, who else? I mean, Dinwiddie. We didn't. Oh, you Dinwiddie's in the topic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, he he and Poole, right? They're the they're the wild cards. If they play well, more than likely their team wins. And if they mm-hmm. give them nothing, there's a good chance that their team. Loses uh, Otto Porter Jr. for the Warriors got to be one. Are you talking about this guy? <laughs> <laughs> hero Otto the Hero Porter. What about this guy? Kaminga watch. Is he going to get no the play? Sexy music. I I honestly, when I saw a lot of like the the talk shows saying that, oh, you better watch out for Kaminga. I was like, did they not just watch the Memphis series? I'm not sure. <laughs> but then Slater piled Charles together, Barkley wants him to guard Luca. <laughs> Slater pulled together a good amount of clips of Kaminga, all of his possessions on Luca, and it's kind of like fifty fifty. But he's still causing Luca to like miss, and it's not just Luca missing; it's Kaminga like being up on him. So I do think Kaminga can get some run. I think that. If I think the Mavericks are going to start Dwight Powell for how long? I'm not sure for how many games until they figure out maybe that's not the move. I'm not sure, but I think that means we start Looney. And I think they just I, like the culture of that starting lineup, sort of like how the reason why Curry like starts Looney. Yeah, yeah. But I do like. Um, I think this could be a lot better series for Kaminga. And I mean, against the Grizzlies, it seemed like Poole and Otto were both effective coming off the bench together with a lot of the highest highest plus minuses in a lot of the games. Mm-hmm. It seems like that's when they find their run. Now I think that Kaminga could be put into that little group too, and that would be. Uh, I think that would be pretty interesting and, and and a plus for the Warriors that I think Kaminga could provide. And Kaminga had his best dunk of the year against this team. <laughs> I think the interesting thing about Kaminga is if he does get a little burn, knowing that he's not going to play a lot, you could put him on Luca. Cause then if, if he's going to get a foul or two, you give a, a, a little bit of a rest to, to the other person. And you know, there's an opportunity for him to poke a ball out and, and mm-hmm. get a steal to hold his ground. And maybe, you know, Draymond, you know, starts gassing him up after a stop and you know, it kind of kind of gets the team into it a little bit. So I yeah. think there are, are some opportunities, but I don't know if Jonathan Kaminga is a big part of this series. I think something would have had to happen with injuries or with bad play uh, because we saw just they... really good play, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but an interesting one. And there's another guy that you like could Moses, Moses Moody. Yeah. A little bit of the floor. I don't see how, but it seems like the plus minus guys think that there's a chance. Tim Kawakami said that. Remember how I was saying after game five, I was like, dude, he played really good. Like he had like a, I forgot how many points he had, but he just looked like he was in control out there. I get it. They were getting blown out by like 40, but he made sure it was only like 30. Um, but I think he just brings a lot of the things that the, that the Maverick supporting cast have like in Reggie Bullock, maybe not as good of a shooter. Cause he's not as tested in the playoffs as Reggie Bullock, but you know, three and D, um, 
And I think just pick just going back a little bit to Kaminga. If you do do the box in one, I would I would do it with Kaminga on Luca because I feel like Kaminga is not the best help defender. His IQ is a little low. When we always point out that we see Draymond or Steph like pointing at him, like come on, man, like do you not realize we just practice all this for this and you come in here and you don't know what you're doing? But I think if you just do a box in one where you say Kaminga, just stay on Luca on defense. That's all you have to do. You don't have to worry about help defense and stuff like that. And even if Wiggins is in the game, I'd still prefer that because I really like Wiggins and help. I think Wiggins' IQ is, is is up there too. is is pretty smart, so I would prefer that. Okay, so uh, Wiggins proved in in that Memphis series that he is built for this, right? Because we that's something that we wondered: is Wiggins, you know, and not not that we are built for it. It's just our eyeballs know based on the last several years of what uh, a championship player looks like. Not to say that he's gonna go out there and. You know, all of a sudden he's going to be back to to the two way wigs he was in the first half of the season when you wanted to buy his All Star jersey, but <laughs> I, but the, it it does feel like he he now believes that he is this kind of player because he's never been you know he'd never been out of the first round of the playoffs before, and so this is also a little bit of new territory. Um, he hit a, he's hit a couple big shots now to kind of get to understand. That's what I'm waiting for for Jordan is just. He when he does make you know he's he's so swagger and so confident and like uh-huh. he's got to do it and then he can really believe it because I think some of it is just him trying to get himself to believe it because he's so talented. Um, okay, I think on the Warriors' end, uh, my wild card is is unfortunately one that I don't even know if he's going to play, and it's not GP two. GP two is sort of a. It's one of those things where if you get him back, it's like, oh, like we didn't even expect it. So it's yeah. just a bonus. Iguodala is my wild card because if he plays, he is able. I, I think if he was able to play in that Memphis series, some of those runs that Memphis went on would not have happened because he would have pulled the ball back and just been like, okay, like let's be smart about this. And on defense, he would have got a swipe down. He would have got a steal. They would have got a turnover that would have led to something. And I think he is, if he can play, I think he's going to be meaningful. He's not going to be meaningful, probably shooting a three. He's not going to be meaningful in a way where you're like, oh, man, this is like 2014 Andre Iguodala again. But there are so many intangibles that he provides that uh, I think he can. I think he can be somebody who really helps them win a game. And the guy, the guy's looking sweet on the sideline. But I'm sick of seeing him in street clothes, man. I want to see him in in a uniform. And I can't. I'm just so desperate and hopeful that he plays, uh, whether it's in game three or whatever it is. I hope that guy's here forever because it's. It seems like even if he's not playing, he seems still effective on the bench. Where I think there was a couple times where the camera zoned in on him, like seriously chatting to Pool, or when Kaminga went to the scores table, he'd go with him and say like you know a couple things. It just seems like he's a big help in that side too. All right, do you have a prediction? I said Warriors in seven. That's where I leaned as well, but uh, it does feel like Dallas can grab a game at Chase these first two. Uh if I was a Better so my, for my schedule and for the our podcast schedule, I'm in Vegas in Game Six. Oof. I don't know, so we won't have a podcast after that game. If we get to a Game Six, I will be back by Game Seven, and I think Game Seven, I think 
we're going to invite people here because it just to also celebrate my my birthday. But um, but yeah, so if the worst can wrap it up in five, I'll be so thankful. I'll be like, yes, I don't have to worry about this while I'm in Vegas. But, uh, you know, that's just not how Western it's Conference finals work. Yeah. It doesn't happen like that unless it's Portland that we get to play. <laughs> um, so uh, so, yeah, I, I think Warriors in seven as well. You could talk me into Warriors in six, but I think a couple of things would have to happen. One would be this injury luck that, you know, Andre and GP2 coming back. But the, the Mavericks are going to make it a series. They're going to grind. They're, there's also this little bit of, you know, they've never done this before, which is interesting to me. And I, it's really, it's going to be interesting to see how they react, especially these late games. Like I said, I think Luca's a killer. I don't think he's going to be, uh, you know, he's not going to get tight, but there are other players on that team who have never been there before. So it'll be interesting to see, but all right. What, can you be talked into Dallas and in seven or do you think there's no chance? Oh, there's always a chance. Okay. There's definitely a chance. Yeah, Cause when I pick a team in seven, it really means that like, I think it can go almost either way. I don't think it's 50, 50. I don't think it's 51, 49, but it's like, you know, 55, 45. Honestly, I think Memphis is a better team than Dallas. I just the I just don't know if 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 you put Luca on Memphis, that team might win sixty five games, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's just a different style. Uh, you know, with Ja, you put Ja on Dallas, they might be almost as good too. But the for whatever reason, um, Memphis just played so well without Ja. And I'm not exactly sure what that is. Someone's gonna have to study that, but. Um, <laughs> You know, maybe Wait, well, just, I it do want to simply be just defensively. Yeah. What I do want to ask you, though, is I, I like to do this a lot. And I saw that Bill Simmons did it on his podcast, too. They did a draft, but I was thinking we could like rank the, the best five guys in the series. Mm. So I would. I, I don't know. I wonder how many Warriors fans are listening right now, but I would go look the <laughs> one. <laughs> uh, I would, yeah. I mean, in a game like this, I think I'm fine with going Luca one. Just because, but I think we're also looking at it as he just means more to Dallas. Like if he if he's not on the court, it's worse for Dallas than maybe if Steph is not on the court because they have I think a Jordan Pool for both teams. They have a Jordan Pool, and Dallas doesn't have like a Luca Light in any way to to replace him. So I'm fine. I'm fine with Luca going one, but if uh, I don't know fourth quarter, who who do you take, Luca or Steph? He's close. I think he's close. Steph Steph leads the playoffs in fourth quarter scoring, right? So, uh, you know, it's it's Bill loves Luca, and he's been on this Luca train since the draft. So it, you know, he's he's really rooting for it, which is good because Luca's he's also rooting for the future of basketball. But I don't. I think it's really close, Luca. Yeah, yeah, I know. I think I said Luca a little too confidently. It is really close. I just thought that saying Luca was like a really hot take, so I wasn't sure. Would you? But would you take Brunson? Okay, so that's Dr- where I think it gets it gets tight is because when I, I say Draymond who are the best, me too, but when I say who are like the best five players, I don't like just factor in the playoffs because maybe I should, but I factor in like everything. And mm-hmm. I, I think that like Brunson, the reason why some of these guys like, I don't know, are going on a hot streak or I don't want to say Brunson's like a role player, but you know, Grant Williams goes on a seven for 18 shooting mm-hmm. night, which is a bad shooting night, but they needed all seven of those threes. It's because they're role players. You can't expect that, that from them every night. And and Brunson hasn't come out and scored 30 every night. So, I don't know. Draymond's consistent and maybe he has a bad game or two, but he's still really needed. 
And I would argue putting Poole and maybe not Poole, but now nah, maybe Poole and Clay above Brunson as well, because I just think that uh, Clay, especially in his career, has 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 done it at a high level. And I do feel like I really hope that this is a good Clay series, like a consistently good Clay series, because I need one. I need one for him. So I would I would say uh, it would probably be Luca, Steph, Draymond, Brunson, and Clay, or, or Clay or Pool. I, I would pick Clay or Pool before. Can I you take. argue Wiggs? Because I feel like a lot of people are under Bill and uh, and Rosillo. I believe had they might have had Dorian Finney-Smith and Klebo over Wiggs. I think I would oh, take all three of those guys before I take another Maverick. I th- okay, I'm with you there. So. I mean, but look, we watch them, right? Like they're not, they're not watching them as intensely as we watch them. They watch them through a different, a different lens. Okay. So uh, let's talk really quick just for a couple minutes here and then we'll get out of here. Uh, Tatum picture. I know I, I got, I got lazy. It keeps working though. (laughs) (laughs) I know we just had Tatum and Giannis the whole time and they, they they were always playing no matter what. So it always worked. Um, I think. Boston, no, I'm sorry. I think Miami needs to win both games at home. Yep. Today, the the game just tipped off uh, as we're talking. They are without Horford and was it Smart? Mm-hmm. Miami needs Miami needs that game. They can't like nobody's lose this business. Game. They no can't way. lose this game. No. Mm-hmm. And I think they need game two as well because. Boston goes through this really tough series with the defending champions. Miami has a, a fairly, I wouldn't say easy, but they certainly didn't go through the same grind that Boston did. And Boston is sort of ready. It seems like they're ready to take it to that next level of, of elite basketball. And if I'm Miami, I want to make it as hard as possible for them to get there. And that's why I think they need to steal or not even steal. They're at home. They need They're to take home. both of these games yep. and and make Boston win four out of the next five. Yep. I have the Celtics in seven. Um, me and Alex on my podcast were kind of agreeing that it, it does feel like the Celtics are just like the better heat. The, the Celtics had the number one defense in the regular season. It seems like their defense kind of picked up where it left off in the playoffs. The Heat have been struggling to find consistent offense. Tyler Hero, I think, only averaged 14 so in, in the Philadelphia series while averaging like 20-something in, in the regular season. So they kind of need him to step up. Uh, he, and he hasn't been lately. Obviously, Lowry's injured too. It just seems like... My biggest point was that it seems like the Celtics, they have been... you know They found the test in the playoffs that I don't think that the Heat have been uh they haven't found like what what's the word I'm going for but like the heat haven't gone up against a fair enough opponent for me and I like they played the hawks in the first round and I will always say that you know the heat getting the first seed it it means you should get the easier road to the playoffs but I feel like it's almost shooting yourself in the foot because you go play the hawks that doesn't really show me anything you know you beat the hawks you were the best matchup against them Trey Young was absolutely useless because the heat are so we're able to trap him on almost every single play and you go up against Philadelphia who Embiid has the broken orbital fracture and the torn thumb and he misses the first two games and you beat them in six I still don't feel like that's the real test whereas um the Celtics beat Brooklyn in four don't think that was a real test but the Celtics beating the Bucks in seven like that's that's to me better than you know anything that the heat went through or even went through in that 2020 bubble run. So I just think that the the Celtics are battle tested, whereas the heat have not actually had 
a test in these playoffs yet. And I think, you know, it that, could that's mean that, well. but it could mean that maybe they're in a little bit better shape. Maybe they're not as beat up. But then again, Kyle Lowry hasn't been able to play. They have old guys, much. man. Yeah. So it's very interesting. It's, 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 um, if the Heat are able to, to beat Boston again, because they beat them in the bubble, if I think it's more of a hit to Boston than if Boston was to beat Miami, because if Boston beats Miami, I think the collective basketball universe just goes, yep, that's how it works. Mm-hmm. Young teams, when when they figure it out, they're going to always beat the older teams. But if the Heat beat them, I think there's going to be so many questions about Boston. And I, I mean, I would assume they would just run it back and, and hope that I think they uh, would uh, and hope that they can, you know, make a tweak here or there. But I feel like uh, that would be a bigger loss for them. So I, I'm rooting. I don't. I don't even know who I'm rooting for. I'm. I'm just. I think the Warriors might have a better shot at beating Miami. Uh, but I'm. I don't even know that for sure. Uh, but I, I think. I think Boston will win as well. But if the Heat do take the first two games and you put the pressure on that young team to win four out of five, there could be a couple of tight butt yeah. cheeks going into some of those games. <laughs> and um, I feel like. Um, I feel like I give. Aside from like talent, when you match up the Warriors and the Mavericks, I feel like I give the Warriors the edge because they've been there. They have the accolades to prove it. They, you know, they they've they've been through the playoffs plenty of times, and I think they're made for the moment. Although the Heat haven't really won a finals with Jimmy there, they got to the 2020 bubble uh, finals with Jimmy Bam, Tyler Hero. We yep. know Lowry beat us in 2019 with that Raps team. Yep. A couple other players have been there. PJ Tucker just won a ring last year. So I think there is some of that with the Heat too, whereas the Celtics don't really have any of it. But I just think the Celtics are way more talented. And we will see. But I, I have the Heat tonight. I think Jimmy Butler will be the highest scorer. And you should check out our you should check out our Instagram stories on the BAM. I tried to do some graphics for like betting. Oh, I'll, I'll definitely check it out. Um, all right. So you uh, find you on the BAM pods on Twitter and the BAM pod on Instagram. Uh, and then uh, we'll be back tomorrow night with our recap of game one. And then Friday is game two, so already going to be well into this series by this weekend. All right, thank you for checking us out, uh, not only on the podcast, but also on the live stream. We'll be back in about a little over 24 hours with our our recap of game one. So uh, see you then. For Bri, I'm Double G. See you when we see you. Peace out.